Hey everyone and welcome to 121 in Flux, I'm Peter, that is Connor. This is our show where we talk about older movies because we like to watch movies. And this episode is going to be about Dune, which is the David Lynch film from 1984. Uh, science fiction based on the book by the same name. And this film is notorious, I'd never seen this before, neither Connor, but I'd, I've seen most of all David Lynch's other movies, so... This is kind of an oddity that I've not seen this one. Uh, this movie's pretty notorious and infamous because it it got heavily re-edited just before release. Uh, Lynch had a lot of yeah. problems working on it and it's uh, generally considered a bit of a, a mess. It's a sort of a fascinating failure, you know, how did it end up like this, what went wrong kind of thing. It's one of those where you want to know the story behind it. Mm. Um. So, we watched the theatrical cut of this movie, because there is an extended cut, which uh, originally aired on TV, it aired over two nights on TV, and it's been re-released in that form, uh, on DVD, Blu-ray, that kind of thing. But we went with the theatrical cut, because cause we, had, we had the option, we, we we made the choice, because David Lynch disowned the other cut. He doesn't seem very proud of this one either, admittedly, but he actually took his name off the other one, and I, I believe he's credited as Alan Smithy. Yeah, there's the ex- a... There's- there is a big difference. Like you say, he's he's clearly not proud of this version, but it's acceptable enough that he he left his name on it. Yeah, uh, and Alan Smithy, if you if you're not familiar with what that was, that that it's not used now because everyone knows what it means. But there was a time when if a director wanted their name taken off a movie, they'd uh, credit Alan Smithy as the director. It was a fake name. Of course, there's someone out there called Alan Smithy who wants to be a director who thought, I can't, because they're all just going to, they're going to <laughs> just, think just laugh at you. someone's disowned the movie if I, if I direct this. Uh, actually, no, do you know what bet's happened? I bet one of the best directors in Hollywood is actually called Alan Smithy, but he picked a stage name because he knew if he kept that name, he would never be able to live you, could, you, you, could, you couldn't have that name in that industry. No, you just can't. So... Yeah, we're, we're going to talk about this, and uh, we'll keep it spoiler-free for now. Uh, I will probably warn you before we get into sort of deep plot elements where we want to talk about spoilers. Hmm. But we'll keep start off spoiler-free. So, Connor. Yeah. Did you enjoy Dune? I'm not sure. I, I did. Like, there's, there's a lot that I do like. But then there are points where I can see where it's been slashed at, and it mm, takes a lot away from it. I liked it a lot, actually. Mm, okay. I I was mesmerized as I typically am. No, it's not. I mean, it's David Lynch that made it, but it's not really a Lynch movie. It doesn't really feel like any of his other films. Mm. But I thought the visuals were beautiful. I, oh I yeah. Thought, yeah. I thought uh, the production value was great. It, it's got that old school everything. All these great matte paintings. It's got the uh, all these different sets. I mean, there's a reason why it costs so much at the time and why it's seen as this giant flop. Uh, I, I thought the the style was gorgeous. Um, filmed very well. I, I don't know. Now, don't get me wrong. This is not to say that I am unaware or I'm being ignorant of all of its problems. It has. A ridiculous number of problems. Uh, the opening five minutes presented me with more exposition and character names, planet names, and just the way organization it, names. Yeah, like there was so much in the first few minutes that I was like, 
there's no way I could take all that in. Now, the gist of the movie became clear as it went on. I mean, we got the whole idea that there was sort of these uh, royal factions and one was on yeah. one planet, one was on another. They controlled this other planet. It's uh, Arrakis, which is also known as Dune. And the space, which is the drug that fuels their space travel, is on there. And that's like the most sought after element and resource in the universe. Yeah. Uh, and the, the whole thing's a bit of a sort of kind of... The, the, the Emperor's sort of goading on the villainous faction to assassinate the the good faction because he's worried about them changing their their the methods and, yeah, yeah. of the space but the space is what it's called that's the that's the drug yeah that's the, the, the the material that everyone wants uh, it's weird because i almost think it would have worked better without so much exposition at the start because like you say you kind of get it as it goes along and you don't take any of that in from the start anyway because it bombards you with so much that if it had just kind of been stripped back a lot in that first few minutes and then just let you figure it out as it goes, it probably would have worked better. I don't know if I agree with that. Hmm. I'm not saying that the the dump at the start works. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying the reason why you get it as it goes along is because you've heard it before and it's repetition. See, I don't think it needed to be as much of a dump. I think you need some bits there at the start, but the way it's presented with every one of these names, like like all the planet names, I don't think you really needed because oh, you, you get it as that you get that as a visitor. Uh, the same for the the royal factions and like individually, like who they all are. Like it's it's too much detail at the start that you don't need. Strip it back a lot and then give us the details as we learn them. And I think you'd you'd have learned them just as well in terms of where you are at the end. And it wouldn't have felt like such a heavy dump at the start. Possibly, I, I don't see. I, I think it's weird to look at it just on that on its own, though, because it's it's indicative of a, of a larger problem. Basically, the film is over three hours long. In fact, nearly four hours long. Uh, the original cut. Yeah. And they had to cut it down, and they had to reshoot several scenes to condense plot elements so that they'd be more concise. They added all this extra sort of narration, which there's a lot of that in the movie. There's a lot of uh, like characters' thoughts that you hear as the movie's it's, going on. It's one of those things where it's clearly as it's a a book adaptation, and you can you can see where on the page they, it was just characters having thoughts, and there was no dialogue for pages at a time, perhaps. And in the movie, they're like, "Well, we need speech. We need you know, we need a way of expressing this." So they've just gone, "Ah, we'll just do it in voiceover." Yeah, but that wasn't originally there. No, I know. That that was that was added later. That was added when they had to cut it down. So it's just it gives it a really weird tone. It gives it this really weird feel to it. That's very different from any other big sci-fi movie that I've seen. Uh, and I kind of like it because of that. It's 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 like a weird oddity. I like mm-hmm. it in the in the sense that it's kind of a because it is a mess, but it's a glorious mess. I get that. Like, I really like the first act as for as long as it is. And it does feel like the first act of a much longer film. And then it gets to the second, and that's where the it's cut down the most, apparently, in, in my opinion. Where it just cuts thing to thing to thing. It, just, it seems that way. It. You can't say for sure, but it seems that way. No, no, but that's where it feels like a lot has been cut from. Because the second act, the, the whole middle of the film just feels really short and rushed. No, it goes through a lot of stuff in the second half. Uh, 
quite quickly to the point where you're like, well, what, two years have passed, all this stuff's happened? Yeah, yeah, it does inline montages and just tells you everything and uh, there's relationships that just happen without seeing anything of it. This this is where it feels like the most was cut from. There's a lot of stuff where the narration just tells you something and you feel like this should have probably been set up at some point and then paid off and it is a case of they're fitting too much in one movie. And then they've, they've taken that one movie and they've cut it down even further because they wanted to get close to two yes. hours. I don't disagree with anything you've said. I don't, I don't. I'm not ignoring the problems. I just don't care. I love it anyway. <sighs> I love it anyway. I love how it looks. I love how it sounds. The music's great. Yeah, Toto, kill it. Yeah. That was well when it got to the the opening credits and and I saw because it has the 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 opening monologue before that and you have a piece of music that's not by Toto so it was that, that was Brian Eno and it was that sounds it and then you get to the credits and it says Toto and I was like oh okay I might like this uh, music's very good style's good everything looks great I and it's just kind of weird and offbeat and I kind of like that about it like the the villain is a fat guy who floats because he suit lets him float there's just there's this weird kind of Almost a Jean-Pierre Jeunet kind of influence on what's going on in terms of the visuals. I don't know, mm. I'm, I'm getting kind of that vibe from it at times. But with this other, you know, space opera-esque thing, and it, it gets absurd, it gets insane, and I don't know, I was kind of enthralled the entire time, regardless of the, the weirdness of it. I, I think, honestly, the opening 10 minutes might be the biggest... Uh, yeah, like I said, those were a chore to get through. And then once I got through that, the opening act I really liked. I was proper into it. I was enthralled, like you like you say. And then it got to this second act where everything just felt really rushed and condensed. And that's where it lost me. I lost interest because it was just telling me these things instead of letting me experience any of it. I was still enthralled, but I don't disagree. But it didn't yeah. affect me the same way it affected you. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's still like over half the film that I really enjoyed. And then I still enjoyed the second half, but not as much at all. Yeah, because it's, no, it's the second half though where it gets proper insane. And the insanity was keeping it, me... It does, and th- those are the it. things that I like in it. Like There, there are bits I like in it. Like I, I enjoyed it still, but because there was so much that I felt missing, like, I was like, okay, why, why, why am I not seeing this? Where is this? It was making me think and question it, and it was taking me out of the experience. Alright, okay, so I think we'll, we'll move it to spoilers then. So full spoilers from this point on for Dune. Uh, or Dune. Dune? Dune? So I feel like if I put too much of an emphasis on it, I sound like I'm saying Dune. I think that's kind of our accent, because I'd say Dune as well, and it yeah. almost sounds like Dune the month. Yeah, which is why I'm sort of going the other way and going Dune, even though that's not what they say. Yeah, it's it's. I think that's our accent, so I'm bringing that one. So the plot... The plot is... The, the the plot seems like a bit of a struggle to get to at first. There's a lot of elements to it. Yeah. And it's too much for one movie, honestly. But you can tell they've got the book and they're like, alright, we're going to try and fit all this in. So, not only do we have these different factions, we have we have the main faction, uh, the Atreides, and we have uh, the villainous faction. Ha- Harkonnen? Harkonnen, there you go. So you've got those two. You've got the uh, the space guild. Now they're the the ones who sort of control the actual space travel, which in this universe is they use the space to instantly f- like they fold the universe in, in itself. 
kind of like space yeah. time timey wimey stuff and it makes them teleport instantly to other parts of the universe so we've got them and then we've got the emperor and his people who yeah. control everything uh, and that right there is probably the first thing that feels like it's lacking when you watch the movie is that the emperor after the opening scene we don't see the emperor again for like another 90 minutes he's gone yeah. for, for a long long time see and this is where I, I'm okay with that for a while because he's still referenced. He still feels like, oh, he's a he's a threat. He's he's got power. He's like, oh, the emperor could come. The emperor could do this. So I don't need to see him that much. I don't think. Do you not feel like that? They kept referencing like, oh, the emperor, his men, and like I always felt like he was in the background, even though he wasn't on screen. I guess. See, my problem with that though is that it made it feel like uh, what was the ginger's names again? Harkonnens. Harkonnens. Yeah, too many names in this movie. Uh, the Harkonnens. It really felt to me the entire movie setting them up to be the main villains. Like they're the arch nemesis. They're the things we need to beat at the end. But then in the last act, it's like, no, the Emperor shows up. No, he's the big bad. He's the one we need to beat. And I didn't get that feeling the whole, the whole movie. Yeah, okay. I, I can see where you're coming from. The whole movie, it felt like, no, the Harkonnens are the villain of this movie. And at the end, it's like, oh, no, no, the Emperor's the, the big bad. You actually have to fight at the end. The, mm. uh the Harkonnens just kind of get dealt with in the course of things happening. They're, they're not actually... Because uh, one of the things is the character... You've got, you've got the head Harkonnen, the uh, the Baron, yeah. who's kind of disgusting. He's got the warts in his face and all that, and he's kind of the head honcho there. And then he's got his two nephews, the sort of fatter one who he puts in charge once they take over the planet. And uh, the guy who, funnily enough, halfway through the movie I said, you know, this guy really reminds me of Sting. Then we got to the credits, it was Sting. <laughs> And uh, he, <laughs> it felt like he especially, there was, his entrance was like really, like when they first walked in, the music got dark and it was like, oh, these are the these are the proper mm. henchmen that are going to go and fight like Kelly McLachlan's character. And they Paul. never really do. And no, they never really do anything. I mean, he fights him at the end, there's like a knife fight after the main thing goes down. But at this point, Kelly McLachlan's already become God. <laughs> and, yeah, it's kind of irrelevant by that point, isn't it? And the fight's like meaningless because we know he's going to win at that, that point. And it's just kind of... It's weird that you build them up so much and then it's like, no, 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 no. That's not what we're really fighting at the end. And that was one of the things that I felt was really... And it's funny because they're doing a new reboot of this. They're doing a new film series. And uh, I think Denis Villeneuve is... I don't know if he's confirmed to be directing it yet or if he's just in talks, but he's in, in line to direct. Yeah. And it's maybe multiple movies. And the funny thing is, as I was watching this, I was like, I can clearly see what the first movie is. Yeah. The first movie's act one. Yeah, it's it's up to the point where he meets the tribe, and kind of more or less. I don't even know if I'd go that far. No, go a little bit earlier. I, I I would I would say your final big thing in the movies like them coming out the planet and taking over. I think most of that first movie. I mean, I don't know what they're going to do, but this is how <laughs> I would split it up based on what I've seen in this. That most of that first movie should be the oh, there might be someone going to betray us, and you'd mm. see more of the other factions like talking about trying to like, take them over and you'd get more of a sense of that because one of the big problems of the movie is that it brushes past all these different factions so much and like we say we don't see the Emperor again for a long time the Space Guild you don't even see again till right near the end either it, you yeah don't really get... to the point where we were like oh that was the Space Guild yeah we didn't we weren't sure of who was who to an extent and there was all these different elements that didn't get introduced and then another thing is when he when McLachlan's character does meet when he meets the Fremen 
and they make, they make a, this quick deal because part of the plot is that all through the movie uh, he's like having these visions of the future and he might be the chosen one which is another big aspect of the plot that we've not even mentioned yet that's introduced that that's how the film opens there's like another group of characters who are all telepaths uh, and they're all female and they all drink from this water of life and apparently any man who tries to drink it dies but there's a place in this power of this water that they drink that they can't go to but the the legend says that one man will be able to drink it and survive and he will be able to go there and he will yeah. get this ultimate power and Kel McLachlan might be the chosen one he might be the one that goes yeah. to this place and is the saviour of uh, Dune <laughs> it might be him so that's the thing literally how the movie opens and we didn't mention it right so not only could you do more of that if that, this whole thing's just one movie and you sort of tease that a bit more and it, it, you can make it more subtle like it just let it see build. interestingly I, w- I don't think i'd go subtle i'd i'd lean into the shakespearean macbeth side of it because it is very macbeth it's oh there's there's like like the uh the the the, the guild tell him it's like oh, you got to kill the sun because it's the sun you gotta look out for and you got this prophecies and they're kind of like the witches and well, whatever, uh, sure, but there'd be more of it. You'd build up more of it, yeah. right? Regardless of how you tackle it, you build up more of it. The other thing, though, that when he meets the Fremen, right, he is like, I will teach you our ways to fight, and he pulls out the thing that we've seen him use once. There's a training, yeah, a little a, training thing at the start. There's a training scene at the start where we see him use this, like, magnetic gun thing, where it, like, kind of doesn't even have, like, a beam, it just shoots, and it kind of works. Yeah. And they make a big deal when he meets the Fremen that he trains all of them. And by the way, where did they make all these guns? Because they all have them. Like there's like hundreds of them with these guns. Don't ask. Yeah, that, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But but this is the thing. He's like, yeah, we'll teach you our ways of fighting. I'll train a hundred of your warriors, and your hundred warriors will train the thousands of more of you. And it was, and then he starts training them, and he makes a big deal like, oh yeah, this is your hardest stone. And they try hit it, they kick it, they try and cut it with a big laser blade thing tells him to shout at it tells him to shout at it and then he just like blasts it and i'm like you didn't really set up that that this... that was that powerful yeah yeah i mean see when he was using it earlier in the movie i never really got the sense that it was like some special specific thing i didn't either i just thought it was oh it's training because we see it around the time where he does the the shield training thing yeah the oh, shield and which is a very weird visual effect, mate. <laughs> it was, it was. And so because we saw it next to that, it felt like, okay, these are just the commonplace things. It's like, you know, right passage, the equivalent of learning to sword fight in a fantasy film. That's the sort of feeling I got from it. And then it got to this, it was like, oh, that was a big special thing. Yeah, it felt like a training device, not a, not an mm. actual... And even if it is an actual weapon, it didn't feel like a special thing. It just felt like normal. When he gets to that bit, he, he's talking about how you have to use your voice and shout with the weapon. And it's like, okay, didn't get any of that earlier on. No. Well, that's just kind of what I'm talking about, where the stuff that it should set up and then pay off because you've teased it earlier on, and it doesn't do that. It just tells you things. And I think mm. it's a symptom of, well, we've got so much crap and you're never going to understand any of it if we just don't tell you. We don't have yeah. time to introduce everything. Some stuff is introduced and it pays off, but a lot of it's just told. Uh, luckily enough, I found the the whole like world kind of fascinating. Maybe oh, I agree. Maybe it's because I like science fiction. I don't know, but the like the characters seemed interesting. Uh, it helps that you have a lot of good actors playing a lot yeah. of the roles. Uh, Patrick Stewart's in there. Max von Sydow's in there. 
what's his name? Jurgen uh, Prochnow is in there. Uh, he's 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 Kelly McLachlan's father. Uh, Sean Young's the the I guess we'll call it the love interest. Uh, who's part of the Fremen? Or Fremen? Fremen, Fremen. or Fremen? M. M. Fremen. They, they spend some time building this, and they, they build the idea that he might be the, one of one of the telepath ladies. There's a test with them in a box where it tests his like telepath pain threshold. Yeah. Yeah. Even though it's like his hand, I'm pre- it's just imaginary. So I'm, I think it's just a telepath thing. It's just and he's yeah, scared. yeah. It's like put your hand in the box. You can't see it, and it's like yeah. oh, okay, it's gonna hurt because it feels like it looks like his hand's kind of melting. Yeah, here's some imaginary pain. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so so the, so they go to uh, uh, Arcus and they or Arachus, Arachus, Arachus. <laughs> Too many names. And the fact and they're is, not. It's simple names, either. They're not simple names. And on top of that, there, like you said, there was a lot of other names for other places that we never even went to. Like it cut to like the planet where uh, I've forgotten the bad guys' names already. Harkonnens. Harkonnens. Uh, the gingers. There's an army of gingers. They're ginger they are species. Ah, uh, jokes on that later. Uh, so we cut to their planet once. We cut to the planet of the guild one. You know, we cut to a few places. It comes up with the title cards, and you go there like, maybe once, but it's not a big deal. And that would have been fine. Like, that's all you'd have needed, just you know the title card as you go there. But instead, we got it in that monologue at the start. It was, no, no, to, to be fair, it wasn't actually in the monologue, really. It was it in was, the bit after, was it? It was in the or bit after. The, on the screen. It was in the bit after on the screen, because the, the, yeah. the monologue, which is the face in, the, the, in space, was yeah. just explaining the people in the, the space. Yeah, yeah. I think, it, was I think, the, it was the bit right after you're right. I think the space is the important part there. You have to explain the, the space and the fact that everyone needs it and what it's used for. I think that was the yeah. part they had to get across at the opening. To oh, absolutely. To understand what the hell everything was about. Uh, so they go to the planet. So him and his dad and his, his mom, and he's worried that his dad's going to get killed and whatnot. And they go up in their ship, we see the whole space travel thing, and they go to Arrakis. And we see, see them meet up with other people there. We, the the friend and all have their uh, these like bright blue eyes, and it turns out that if you're there on the planet long enough, you your eyes will go the same way. It's part of just being there. Yeah. And we learn that there's. It was mentioned a couple of times, but we we see like firsthand they they go out they're flying out over the desert and we see that there's these giant huge worms that yeah, and we keep getting these. And this is the thing it keeps cutting back to Kyle McLachlan having these like uh, daydreams and he's like thinking about things and he's talking about the the space and the worms and how are they connected and do, do they protect the space and all that kind of. I'm not gonna lie. I was about to start laughing because every so often it would just it would cut to him and we'd hear the monologue and inside his head going, "The space." He says the phrase "the space" a lot a in lot. this movie. Yeah. A lot. Can you imagine how many times it would have been if it had been the full four hour version? <laughs> well, no, because technically the four hour version wouldn't have the monologue. Uh, in his it wouldn't head. have the monologue, but they'd have fit in elsewhere. Maybe. They'd have to because they have to portray how important the spice is. Space is very important. There's a lot of big ideas in the movie that I don't think quite actually... Or there's a lot of big ideas in the story that don't quite make it into the movie. I can see it kind of prodding at them. Like the idea of him being this chosen one and he has to protect the space and the space is connected to the worms and the telepaths are all based from the space and all all this stuff. I feel like there's so much there that's probably in the book because the book's probably quite dense, I imagine. Probably. It feels like it's a dense book. I mean, this is why maybe a trilogy will probably work out better for it. Uh, Even maybe two films could do it. It'll be a trilogy. Probably, because that's the thing now, isn't it? Go for the, go for the trilogy. Have the three. 
It's been a thing for a long time now, to be fair. It is, but even if even if it hadn't been, it's like, eh, well, why not? It, I can definitely see it's three. Because you, you have the, the first one ends with the the actual siege and, like, you know, uh, the Duke, which is the, uh, obviously, Kelvin Clapham's father is the Duke and he's yeah. the son of the Duke. Him being killed and them all, like, taking over the planet. Uh, that's when you sort of end the first movie, more or less. Second movie, when that ends, I'm not as entirely sure. But they skip over this two years where he like becomes a protector of the land and he's training all the people and like really the second movie should be him like actually doing the journey of the chosen one. I think the second, yeah, I think the second movie ends where you know where they fully accept him and he rides the worm. Oh, we've, like, not, oh, we've not got to the worm riding no, yet. No, no, no. We'll be talking about that. But that that's kind of the point where it's like, okay, he is this thing. Yeah, no. That's what, that's what the second movie should be. That it should be the journey of him actually becoming the chosen one, or he is the chosen one, and it's him realizing he's the chosen one, and yeah, him actually becoming, becoming that, that. Like, leader. Yeah. yeah, becoming the leader. Yeah, and becoming that, whole that legend. Two years that we see in about twelve seconds. Yeah, that that should be what the second movie would be, and it would fully explain his relationship to the people, the relationship to his love interest. Who, I shit you not, that. He keeps, admittedly, he sees it a few times in his visions before they even gets to the planet, right? So that is there, yep. but he gets there, him and his mother, like, you know, the the ship crash lands that they're on with the, the two uh, baddies and the two gingers. Uh, I'm just going to start calling them gingers. The bad guys from henceforth are the gingers. Yes. Right? And they land and they're sort of running away and they run away from the worm that's chasing after them. They use the the the, uh, the thumpers, is what they call the, the, the sort of the pulsing beacon. That yeah. sort of because the the worms are attracted to like noise and vibrations, so that the pulsing beacon keeps that away from them. They draw into the the, the, the Fremens, and he, he sees this girl, this this woman that he's been seeing in his visions. And there's a bit of narration in his head, a bit of monologue, where he's like, "Oh, it's her from my visions. She's so beautiful." Fine, That's fine. It. That's yeah. fine. A couple of scenes later, uh, he walks in a room. She's there, and they start kissing. I'm pretty sure this is the next scene that they have together. Oh, it is, yeah. It's the next yeah. scene they have together. Uh, it's in the middle of the montage, because I think it's... Maybe, I think I it's right at the start of the montage. Yeah, it's before the t- it says there's a two-year gap, I think. But they start kissing, and then after the two-year gap, she's like, oh, the, the, it says, has great love for her. And it's like, all right, so that all happened. So this is where I'm pretty sure they've cut out a lot of footage. <laughs> that was one of the first moments where I was like, oh, okay, that got slashed. Because it was just like, we should have seen the start of that relationship. Like, we should have seen them speak at least once before they started kissing. You know, do we even see them speak after? Do we even see them speak after? <laughs> it's a good point. We might not. I don't know if we do. We definitely don't until there's definitely no speaking until at least after the two year gap. Maybe there's a little bit after that. Maybe I'm not entirely sure though. Let's go back before the two year gap though. Yeah, I want to talk about the most epic scene in movie history, where he raids a goddamn giant worm. It's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. And that, this is what I mean about being sort of enthralled by the everything that's going on and just the the audacity of what the movie is. Because he climbs up the side of the giant worm and he's like, hook it, hook, you know, he spikes in a rope one end, hooks it around the other bit of the worm. And I'm like, he's going to rain that worm like it's a like it's a horse almost with the, the rope. Yeah. It's like reins, aren't they? Yeah. And 
the mu- this, is, this is the first time that because the, the music's obviously there's hints of the main theme throughout but this is when it properly kicks in like the first time you properly hear the chanting come in and it's like full the first force first time you have like the electric guitars as yeah, well because before yeah. it was all the, like the synthy stuff yeah and then the guitars come in for and this it, and it's like it, oh yeah and the synthy stuff well it's the main theme it's quite a moody version of the main theme it's, it feels kind of dark it feels like it's brooding but then this is like no this is the heroic it's like action-y stuff yeah. isn't it yeah you know, the, the, the Fremen guy jumps up as well, and they're, they're both on top of the worm, and they're sort of nodding, like, yeah, we're riding the worm. And they're like, yeah, they're riding a goddamn worm. <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I'm right there with you. That stuff was awesome. And it was so ridiculous and over the top. I loved every second of it. I was <laughs> I was fully on board for this. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, but like we said, there's lots of stuff that isn't set up properly, and they just tell us. And it does kind of deflate the final battle stuff, because it feels like everything comes towards them, and it's like, all right, we need, uh, we've trained everyone, so now groups of us are going to raid several giant worms as the ships of all the, the villains are coming in and we're going to use all Just of our yeah. mag weapons that I've made for everyone somehow with materials from somewhere <laughs> and you know kill just kill tons and tons of people. He runs out of Patrick Stewart as well. Just kill all the gingers. Because Patrick Stewart uh, is like one of the, the heads sort of the army or whatever of the, the Duke yeah. and he gets separated during the initial kind of takeover. And then he runs into him like two years later. The two-year gap happens, and he runs out of Patrick Stewart. And Patrick Stewart, who's still bald at the top, but he's like here at the back, so all grown. So he's got that sort of uh, yeah. Hulk Hogan-esque kind of look going yeah. for him. Um, and yeah, so he he joins his army, and he inspires. But he gives speeches to the thousands of Fremens, and like we're going to protect, and we're going to stop the space from going out. And we're going to protect it. It's change, going to change the planets. Yeah, it's it's going to change stuff. everything. Because the whole thing is that there's no rain on this planet. Yes, but we see when he intru- when he's introduced to them, they take them into the underground like caves or whatever, and we see that they've got like pools of water. Decaliters. Decaliters was the word they used. Yeah. Decaliters. I remember it because it was like, wow, they used decaliters. Just, just say, just say a lot of water. Don't be a dick. I know. <laughs> decaliters. Uh, dear. Uh, I feel it's funny because we've actually skipped over some stuff. We haven't even talked about uh, the traitor, you know, the, the the doctor who's like the head doctor of the the, the duke's sort of like empire. Yeah. He he uh, he he betrays them. He's working, and it turns out that he he's only betrays them because he wants to get the duke close to the, the baron so that he can sacrifice himself. Which bit of a dick move. Ask first. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> bit of a dick move. Uh, and it it goes wrong because he's he's hallucinating or whatever when he's supposed to assassinate the Baron and he ends up assassinating his he's like henchman instead because of course so the Baron's okay but no uh, Baron's gotta be okay you gotta have that floating ginger gotta have the ginger I like the look at their planet by the way yeah it was proper yeah. different because like uh, like the the Duke stuff was all sort of gold and very sort of. Uh, regal looking but then you go to his planet and it's like cyberpunk there's lots of water and it's like dark and grimy yeah i did like with seeing all the different places Uh, it would have been nice to see him a bit more on their on their own turfs and and get to know like what their societies individually were like i feel like a trilogy no i agree and and that's something that is not indicative of any cuts that's just something that you you can't fit into one movie no matter how long that would have been yeah I feel I feel like uh, again I feel like splitting up into three, and actually exploring everything, and naturally letting us learn everything so that we understand the universe rather than just throwing it all at us 
would yeah. make for a much more interesting movie. Because we're just kind of told which society is which and who's the good guys and the bad guys, but I don't really know why. That said, though, I think this has a charm to it. I think there's a charm to yeah. this. Yeah, I'm not arguing that. I'm into it. I, <laughs> I was like... Obviously, the, the first five, ten minutes were really confusing because it was throwing so much at us and I couldn't understand it. Once it got going, though, once we got to uh, hand testing and all that sort of area and then it kept going and we got to them going to the planet and flying over and seeing the giant worms, I was just really into it by that point and it never kind of let up. Even though I acknowledge every single problem it has, every single thing that's missing, every single thing that's not set up that should be set up. And as a res- it is a mess. It's an edited-together mess. I, I, like I said, I'm pretty much with it up until the two-year gap, and that's where it loses me. But I, I still like bits that come after it. But as a as a as a thing, as like an entire entity, that's where it loses me. Because because obviously, Kel McLachlan like wins this war, and he comes in and gives his speech, and it's made to feel like this big moment. He's now the chosen one, mm. and all that. And I'm like, this would have worked better <laughs> if we'd actually seen, seen anything go, yeah. go through this. Yeah. Yeah, because it's like he, he, you see him do the the one training session, and then it's like, and pretty much he's the leader. It, it, it's like you know that's pretty much where it jumps to. Yeah, everyone just kind of goes along with them. They believe he's the chosen one, and that's just. It's like okay, out. we get that you're powerful because you're doing this new stuff. That's where you're teaching them, but you do, it doesn't feel like he earned his role as a leader. But I still kind of loved it. <laughs> I kind of don't care. It's... I definitely, I definitely liked it, but I didn't love it. I, I don't know. I just. Uh, there, there's something so unapologetic about those electric guitars coming in as he's raiding a giant goddamn worm. Oh, that is definitely the standout moment of the film. That I, I just can't, I can't think too badly of it. Uh, I can appreciate that. It's a mess, but it is a glorious mess. It is. It is. It is a magical, glorious mess that I will rewatch. I'll probably watch the extended cut at some point just to see what the extra bits were. Cause, you, so know, you just want to know. I'm yeah, cu- yeah like, I've seen it the the, the the sort of the more lynching way. <laughs> I know what I see it the just the extra stuff to see what was missing to see if it did fill in some of that stuff or did it make the first act, which is just over half the movie, even longer? Like, because that definitely feels like the part that's been the least cut. That whole first act, for the most part, yeah. I mean, there's there's little bits here and there, but overall, it feels more intact than any other part of the film. I can't imagine if if that is just the bits that they've added back in those bits from the first act that are cut and they've just made that longer. Oh, that's going to make it a little bit more of a chore. I I I couldn't actually recommend it to anyone. I don't think I, there's very. I think there's a very narrow overlap where people will really like this, like I have. Yeah. I think you have to like eighties movies. You have to like science fiction, and you have to like a bit of weirdness, and you have to be willing to not care about a few things but if all those things align <laughs> if you're one of those 12 people worldwide hey hey no no there is a avid audience for this movie i, I, I remember uh, when blu-ray first became a thing i remember seeing tons and tons of people like where's dune when's dune coming out okay stand corrected there is an avid fan base for dune it's a it's definitely a cult fan base don't get me wrong <laughs> uh, yeah but it's it's avid it, it okay. exists and I've always been trepidatious about trying it because I knew it was seen as a mess by a lot of people. You know, most of the critics at the time bashed it, hated it. One star, all that kind of thing. For good reason. I mean, I think one star is a bit harsh, but... Ah, uh, one star is harsh. 
But that said, I will I will take this over so much that comes out today. So much. Yeah, I mean, if nothing else, it's interesting, <laughs> and it has him riding a worm. Is so it's vastly interesting. I I I like this more than I don't know what, what came out recently that would like Doctor Strange. I mean, Doctor Strange. Yeah, sure, it's more of a more of a cohesive movie, but it's just it's often assembly line. Is there's no. I'd probably agree though. I probably enjoyed this more than this. I like Doctor Strange. Don't get me wrong. It was yeah, fine. Yeah, it was fine. Yeah, but it's like it's just it feels like another Marvel movie. There's no heart it in does. it. There's so much that uh, like the whole origin being just Tony Stark again. Yeah, but you look at this and sure it might have not worked out perfectly, but you can tell there was a vision there. He was going for something. He was trying to do something insane. Oh, I'm not arguing any of that. Like I say, I think it falls apart, but I don't think it's his fault. I think it is clearly just uh, the edit. I think there are things that you could fix even more by making it a trilogy or two films, even like we said, like, like just seeing these people in their society and understanding the world better before it's just all about the spice. Get, getting to know why the spice is so important, really, and, and understanding it instead of just being going, spice important, you know. Well, that's something else you'd probably see more of in the first movie if it was a trilogy. Yeah. And you'd build it up. You'd see you'd see what what exactly gets used for. You'd see more of the space skill, what exactly they do, how important they are to the... Because even though we're told it's like the most important substance in the universe, we don't really see what would happen if it wasn't there. We don't really get a sense of the stakes. Yeah. And that's what I mean. It's, there's things that you just couldn't fix doing it in one movie. So I can respect where, where cuts at that stage have been made because you have to. But like, overall, like I say, there is style. The style. It looks fantastic. Technically, I think it's... Obviously, because it's the early 80s, there's some effects that don't hold up particularly well. Shields. Uh, the shield effect is really weird. I don't know. <laughs> it's like this 2D animation that's just placed on top of it. Yeah. That said, though, I did like the whole idea that it only works against fast stuff. Like, if it, if you move a blade in slowly, it'll go through. I just kind of like yeah, that. Yeah. I think that's a cool idea. But I'll say this, I I would much rather, I am much more fascinated by a failure with heart than I am just a sort of cookie cutter. Yeah. No, I, I agree. It's definitely, like I say, interesting is, is definitely a word you use to describe this that you, you can't use to describe Doctor Strange, for example. And that's, <laughs> that's something, isn't it? Yeah. We're picking on Doctor Strange a lot. It was just the first example I could think of. It was. Uh, but it, it, <laughs> Doctor Strange, is not, it's not Doctor Strange we're picking on. It's just, it typifies a lot of modern blockbusters. Yes, yes. I Very few blockbusters that come out these days are as interesting as uh, Dune. I, th- I think the, the main examples I would go to would maybe like the, the Nolan movies are interesting. Like, you know, you watch Interstellar. Yeah. Regardless of what your opinion is on that movie, you watch that, you go, oh, someone was behind this with an idea. They were trying to do something crazy and wacky, and they had these... I th- this is what it is. This is the difference where this feels like someone's idea versus it's a studio idea. Yes. Now, obviously, this you can go, well, the studio came in and ruined it, but you can see the core person's idea there behind it. Whereas a lot of these movies that we're talking about, like, like Doctor Strange, is just studio from the start. Which is a weird thing to say because obviously the new movies would will be, they will from and, a studio uh, standpoint. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to feel like that, though. And no, it doesn't. No, so, some some feel like it. Some 
they give the the director and the writers enough room to do what they want. They they have they have faith in their talent, and even though it's studio mandated, if they put enough faith in the talent, there's still the vision comes through. It, Marvel well, movies specifically a lot of the time don't feel like that to me. Yeah, they feel formulaic. Uh, yeah, and honestly. I've got a feeling Star Wars is going to feel like that as well. It's hard to say just now because it's only been two. But... There's not been enough to tell. Yeah, it, it might end up being that way. It might. Because uh, I feel that way with Rogue One. I thought that was soulless. Yeah, I felt differently about that, but we're not getting into that here. No, that's because you have Star Wars rose-tinted glasses on. Possibly. But, but I, I that felt soulless to me. That felt like it just existed for... We watched a Star Wars movie out this Christmas. And... No, that's fair. And, you know, uh, whereas as much as obviously every movie's from a studio perspective is made for money reasons, and that, that's why they're green lit. But that's not why directors make films. It's not why they get into it. Well, maybe not. Uh, maybe some of them. Brett Ratner, I'm pretty sure, <laughs> only exists because he wants a paycheck. That's fair. And, and like I say, that, that's the difference between a, a, a studio movie and a, and a director's movie. It's where obviously all movies are studio movies. Well, well yeah. All blockbusters, at least. Hmm. But there's the ones that have faith in the talent that they've hired to do their thing, and that's why they've hired them in the first place. Whereas others will hire someone just because they can tick the boxes. Yes. Yes. Uh, a workman director is the, the term, yeah. typically, for that. Uh, nah, but nah, I, I, I like June a lot, actually. Oh, I like it less than you did, but... It's, it, it's not bad. It it tickled a lot of a lot of things I like, and it's been a while since I've been able to watch a sci-fi movie from this era with you know matte paintings and miniatures and all that the like, optical effects. Like, obviously, I've seen most of the good sci-fi movies from these this era because I just have. I've seen them growing up. I mean, they're not new anymore. It's actually kind of nice to find one again that I've not that seen. You like, yeah, and be like, oh man, this looks great. Like, it's been a while since I've watched a movie with this kind of stuff in it for the first time. Mm. Damn cat! <laughs> Nearly made it. Nearly made it the whole way through. Yeah. Um. All right. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Yeah. That, that's that's June. So. Gonna have the music stuck in my head all night. I'll tell you that. Oh yes. Uh. Yes. Very. Very. Very good music. Uh. Excellent style and great cast. I. I yeah. Definitely. For for all all the problems with it, the, the, the script. Well, I don't know if the script was a mess. It's hard to tell if the script was a mess first because we, yes, we can't tell because can't we, tell. because the the you edits don't see of it. <laughs> been it's chopped a lot of it out of it. But there you go, that's June. Uh, let us let us know what you think of June in the comments below if you've seen it. Uh, like and subscribe and all that stuff. It helps us out a lot if you do. And uh, we'll be back next week with another movie. Uh, Hopefully, ne- riding a worm. I don't believe there's any worm raiding in next week's movie, but it is a much more popular, well-known film, which people will likely have seen. Yeah. So we're doing a classic next week is what I'm saying. But uh, yeah, let us know what you thought of this one. Uh, and I've got a feeling that we will be doing another David Lynch movie before the end of the month. because oh, co- surprise to me. Well, I know that you happen to be planning on watching one before the end of the month, so we may as well do an episode out of it. As a oh, bonus. But does, does that not break our, our rough rules of timings? The, you just want an excuse to watch the film again, don't you? The cutoff is now 2001, not 2000. <laughs> you just want an excuse to watch it again. Yes. 
Um, but no, that, that's it. That's doing it, guys. So thanks very much for watching, and uh, keep watching movies. We'll see you next time.